Hello and welcome to the Velodrome Podcast. I'm your host, Steve. Some of you know me as the Velo21 guy, but today I'm your host on this Velodrome Podcast. We've got another great guest lined up for you today, and we're really excited because it's our first female guest. So we're going to dive straight into episode eight, and we're talking to... It's Marianne Durrell, a.k.a. Biking Mars. Hello and welcome to the Velodrome Podcast. Thanks for coming on because you're the first female cyclist that we've had on as well. So that's that's a, a great tick in the box that we really wanted to get a female perspective on the podcast. And uh, we're glad that you've come on. So thank you for that. So I always quickly talk about how we, how we know each other. Again, it's Instagram buddies. It's um, definitely a, the- a recurring theme here. Followed Maz for a little while now. Um, and as I say, we asked her to come on and she gratefully accepted so here we are talking about all things biking. First of all, how did you get into cycling? Uh, so I grew up riding a bike all the time. Um, so it's always something I've enjoyed. And then got into it a little bit more kind of in my mid-twenties. So a bit random, but I grew up ice skating. And with that, you get a real sense of freedom kind of as you're gliding across the ice. And... I stopped that at 24 when I went off to study physio and then it was quite a long time before I could really find an activity or a sport that replaced that and really made me feel like myself again um, and I was decided I was going to get a bike and then my good friend Becky Seal who's also a physio and she's a really good cyclist she convinced me to get a road bike so off we went down to cycle surgery and she was trying to convince me to get a better bike and I said no I'm just going to get an entry level one because I don't know if I'll like it or not um and so yeah I got my first road bike and absolutely loved it so I've been riding since about 2013 now okay and the rest is history as they say yeah. that's it uh, so interesting starting with them um... Ice skate, it's the same kind of muscle groups as well that you use for, for cycling, so that always helps there, because I used to play ice hockey oh. um, when I grew up, so there's mm. a, a, a little bit of a similarity. Was it um, general skating? Did you do figure skating? Or sort of... I did, uh, yeah, I did figure skating, and I also did synchronised skating, which, as you can imagine, is a very random sport. So 20 of us on the ice all at once kind of, making formations and doing footwork a few spins and jumps in there so as my i mean as my friend's mum growing up said it's a bit of a poxy sport but we absolutely loved it so yeah like you say it was that sort of that freedom and that feel of gliding that you get and it's yeah um so obviously as you say, you, you found cycling and switched to that. So what keeps you motivated to keep going now? I've, I've never had a problem with being motivated to do sort of activity or sport and things like that. I'm just one of those people that my body needs to move. I've always done something since I was tiny. Um, if anything, I used to find having rest days harder <laughs> than being motivated. Um, but I I seem to have uh, nailed the rest days as well now but I just think you know there's so much to be gained from getting out on a bike whether it's fresh air whether it's headspace whether it's for company whether it's on your own you know there's 
it just kind of can give you so much so it's not hard to stay motivated on the odd day when I'm not sometimes I'll go oh do you know what if I really don't want to do it I probably need a day off um and then sometimes you just think oh, I'll just get on with it and you go out and do it so yeah yeah so um you've got a coach haven't you um Andy ATP performance um and obviously do you, th- do you feel like with this sort of structured thing do you feel like the with those like you say you're taking it a bit easier on the rest days and things like that you're finding it easier to to do those rest days is having that that structure important through the, the coaching i think i i think it before, even before the coast uh coaching i'd got quite good at making sure i had a couple of rest days a week and that took me a, a long time to get to that place if anything I don't like too much structure. I like to have a bit of flexibility. Um, But I've tried various kind of programs, like I've tried some Zwift training programs and I've tried the Garmin ones. But often I I found with some of the Zwift ones, I was overtraining. And then with the Garmin ones, I think it's it's amazing the way it works. Um, Well, you've got like the set ones or you've got your suggested workouts on the... um, edge 1040 that i've got um but the set ones again sometimes i found i was overtraining, and then with the suggested ones it had me in zone two so much that i felt like i started to detrain a little bit and i just was never getting a productive status on my garmin and i just kind of thought i'm not looking to be um a professional cyclist or the fastest person in the world but you know, just a little bit of structure to make sure I was kind of, yeah, being productive, I guess. And um, and I, I was a bit worried that I wasn't going to enjoy being told what to do, but I've absolutely loved it. And Andy's really good at being flexible, you know, if you've got external life stresses or if you're not feeling very well or just, you know, you can let him know what's coming up that you've got going on and... Um, yeah, so I've been only been doing that for since the beginning of March now, and I've really enjoyed it. And plus, my training status has been productive so many times since then. So it's always nice and rewarding. It's always a bit depressing looking at my Garmin and seeing that I was unproductive. I was like, hey, I don't want to be yeah. unproductive. <laughs> yeah, I think you've touched the point there with those sort of generic training plans. They're either a bit too easy or a bit too hard there's never quite that that mm. fine balance you'll either overtrain and put and then with the input from obviously a person looking at that and saying right okay this is how we need to do it yeah. this is how we need to do it and as as you t- as you touched on um through garmin that you you post it in your stories don't you i've seen it um when you when you've <laughs> been productive I've, I've seen it on your instagram stories and things and like you say you get that yeah. reward then that it's like well i can see that this is working for me whereas those other generic plans because they're just written for everybody and not everyone's the same are they so you know having that coach input is so important as well and i think actually especially being a female because of our monthly cycle we have kind of two weeks where our hormones are quite high and then two two weeks when they're a lot lower and actually that really affects kind of your ability to train um and as far as I'm aware, that's not really taken into account with the um, set ones or the suggested workouts. Whereas um, Andy 
really works with you for that. And so I think, especially for female kind of athletes or activity people, that's really important. Yeah, good. So um, do you experience it? I've experienced with a lot of female cyclists or, you know, because it's around 10%, isn't it? They make, it's, it's obviously heavily male dominated. Um, do you ride with a lot of other women or do you tend to ride solo or when you're doing group rides, is it mainly male dominated? I do a real mixture, actually. Um, I ride with my partner a lot, um, mm-hmm. but solo as well and obviously Becky was my first biking friend and then I've got another really good friend down here called Kiki who I ride with a lot and then through them we've just met other people and then through Instagram I've then connected with a lot more people which has been great so um, I cycle with um, the Maloko cycling group quite a lot which is really nice because it's just a real mixture of men and women and it's a real mixture of people new to cycling and people that have been riding a really long time. And it's it's very inclusive. So, and, you know, they'll have different groups, different speeds and so on. So, yeah, always, always ridden with a mixture, I would say. So what do you feel the cycling community could do to get more women involved? I think, I mean, certainly when I first started, it took me quite a long time to get up to what would be considered a decent speed to ride in a group with um when i first was cycling i was doing quite a lot of other hobbies as well so i didn't have as much kind of time to commit to it so i think you know the female only rides to encourage people in are great um and I think another thing is kind of like the safety and the being able to do like the mechanics and things like that is quite important. Um, I was lucky. I was always sort of in a position where when I first started out, even there would always usually be someone fairly nearby that could come and <laughs> collect me <laughs> if anything went disastrously <laughs> wrong. But even so yeah. now I've made like an effort to be able to, kind of fix my own punctures and things like that but actually getting the tires off and things like that is so difficult um I don't really know how that could be made easier but um obviously practicing is it is one thing but I've also I've got really tiny hands and hypermobile fingers and they're not great for that so um yeah I think yeah, if anything could be done to make the mechanics a bit easier for a, a smaller, weedy hand, that would be great. Um, one thing you touched on there was um, safety, yeah. uh, because that's, like, I've done it since 2012, so about the same time as you, and my wife's um, into running, mm. and I've always wanted to get her out on the bike, but she said she'd never ride one on the road. She was like, you just wouldn't oh, really? get me out there. Yeah. To be fair, mm. I've always, <laughs> my friends and I have always joked for years that I've got a relatively low regard for my own safety. <laughs> I'm quite gung-ho. I was like, I was very gung-ho when I skated. And I used to do aerial acrobatics as well, still dabble sometimes. And I don't have a high fear factor. Um, although I've got friends that, you know, are a lot more nervous out on the road. And I think, you know having someone with them 
helps or you know I think as well just being careful of the roads you pick and the times of day that you go and I think also just letting people know letting someone know that you're out on a ride um that's another sorry I sound like I'm repping for Garmin here but that's a really nice thing as well they've got their kind of safety features that will send up an alert although sometimes that gets sent off when I go over a cattle grid (laughs) but um (laughs) yeah I think yeah there's always going to be a bit of a risk with it but then there are with so many other sports you do and you know driving crossing the road what have you so I think as long as you I think probably knowing some of the technique things about what to look out for when you are riding on the road as well and how to do it safely a little bit more readily available information about that would probably be useful although so when I started riding um you know there wasn't as much going on with so kind of social media and so I think there probably is more of that available now but I don't necessarily look for it anymore Mm, yeah so you work with some great brands as well. So you want to tell us about the brands that you work with? Well, I've just been really, really lucky. I um, So first of all, obviously, Lapierre Bikes. Um, they approached me last summer to say see if I wanted to come on board mm-hmm. as an ambassador because they were looking for female ambassadors. And I honestly couldn't couldn't believe it of all all the people out there that they were asking me to do it so I absolutely jumped at the chance and it's honestly been the most amazing experience so Jenna from Lapierre who I mostly um uh liaise with and uh work with she's absolutely lovely the whole family at Lapierre and it really does feel like a family are so nice um and the other ambassadors so there's becky chris and lewis uh really lovely people i haven't met chopper yet but i'm sure he's lovely too but um when we kind of go away on our weekends and stuff everyone just always gets on really well and yeah i've done things i certainly wouldn't have done without them so like the bike packing experience where we had kev with us as well that was absolutely great um so yeah that's that's the biking part um and then yeah so then um so velo forte i do a bit with them so um that's the ride nutrition and i really i i mean when i first started riding my ride nutrition was pretty much non-existent and i couldn't understand why i was riding for two hours and feeling terrible having only taken on a few electrolytes um, but that's obviously progressed through the years, but I don't have a particularly sweet tooth and I found a lot of the nutrition was really hard on the digestive system and I just didn't like taking it on board. Um, and then I think last summer I tried various different um, brands and I was looking for things that were kind of sustainable, had a few more kind of homemade ingredients and so on and got on really well with um Velo Forte so work with them and then Velo Skin as well everything's Velo isn't it <laughs> um yeah. Yeah. I use them for kind of skin products again they are very sustainable really great products um 
UK based and that was why I decided to try out your Velo 21 products because yeah, Velo, and yeah. UK based <laughs> so I think probably it's harder with bike cleaning fluid to kind of be sustainable but the fact that it's UK produced means you're not having it shipped over from miles away um yeah uh shall I keep talking about the brands yeah yeah sure um, Keep going, keep going. Um, <laughs> Universal Colors is another one. So um, their kit just, it, it fits me really well. Um, I love the style of it. And again, it's sustainable. And um, I really like that they do the same ranges for men and women. Um, all the colorings the same. Um, and then more recently, um, there's a, a new kind of collective started up called the um, Cycling Appreciation Society. And I saw their stuff and I kind of saw what they were doing in terms of kind of bringing communities together, riding together, but apart. And I just absolutely loved that. So kind of asked them to, to get involved. Um, so, so that's another one. And I think I, don't, I feel like I don't want to leave anyone out. It'd be a bit rude. <laughs> yeah, don't don't miss anyone out. Yeah, so then there's um, <laughs> the yeah, so Lumiere and Co. That's who I have my like bike, um, you know, like handlebar bag and saddle bag and hip bag and stuff with, and they're just they're um, based in America actually, but they are just the loveliest people and. Um, they're just really about encouraging people to get outside and active and what's really nice there is they took a lot of time to speak to their ambassadors and one of the things I really wanted them to do was kind of improve their kind of carbon um, footprint and um, so they're still working on that because they're relatively a startup company but they've started doing more recycled packaging and they said that was because I'd requested it. And I've just remembered as well, of course, Sun God, which is the first kind of brand I started working with. My partner and I had worn them for years. And then I got to 5,000 followers, which blew my mind anyway, that that many people would follow me. And I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna ask them. Um, and I did. And so I've been working with them too. And that's just been a great opportunity again and obviously they are, they're um, B Corp certified as well. So doing really great things in terms of sustainability and out in the community. I'm going to stop there, but apologies if I've left anyone out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, um, I think you needed to have written all of those down. There's quite a few there. So yeah. it's uh, a really good variety yeah. as well. But like you say, it's uh, all this sustainable things as well that is yeah. great as well um so i've um, seen through some of your highlights on yeah. instagram um particularly about sort of vela forte that you were giving some um interesting stats on women's yeah. nutrition as well that i'd like to think i was quite up to date and and, and i know a bit about nutrition and then i was like oh i didn't know 
this on this side you know you were saying about the, the women to take on protein post ride and the carb release and yeah. things like that is different. yeah so i haven't researched this pre you interviewing me yet, so it's not fresh in my mind um but okay. um certainly in terms of taking in protein post ride women need to do that within 30 minutes whereas men have a lot longer opportunity to do so um, and then in terms of carbohydrates as well, women can't carb load as easily as men. Um, and I believe it's harder for women to kind of take them on and utilize them um, during riding as well. So um, I'm sure someone could correct me on that because I've not uh, checked out all of that just before uh, the interview yeah. but uh yeah in general <laughs> it is different um and so a lot of um research that used to happen they used to basically they'd be doing the research on men and women and then they'd find that the women would throw out all these anomalies so they just stopped doing it on the women um, but that okay. was partly because of our monthly cycles as well so we do have kind of this is roughly speaking, two two weeks where our hormones are a little bit more like men. Um, we will process things a little bit more um, as a male would, and then the two weeks where we don't. So actually, even during our cycle, we should kind of be looking at which point we're in to try and get our nutrition um, in a place that supports that. Um, a great book called Raw, and that's linked with the Instagram account, Women Are Not Small Men. Uh, there's loads of details in there. Um, obviously, it's all research and you can read parts of it and say, okay, well, I've read a different study that contradicts that, but that's always the case with research. But I think it's a really good foundation. Yeah, exactly. You can always prove and disprove a theory if you need to. <laughs> yeah, so I found that really interesting. It was, it was like, when I read through that, I thought like, oh, I, I hadn't considered, I hadn't even thought yeah. of that. And like I say, I, I feel like I'm quite up with the nutrition and I, di I didn't know that at all. I was like, oh, it's quite an interesting mm. fact that it's, it's uh, blown my mind <laughs> a little bit that has. So what's your relationship like with Instagram? Like, do you sort of, obviously you've got quite a big following now you're sort of twelve and a half thousand yeah, is it so. followers you've got yeah, now yeah. something like that um so it's quite a big following do you do you feel you know you, you sort of tolerate it and think i've got to be doing this or is it, like, honest, it's just, you know you have a bit yeah, of a love it's for just it. a hobby for me um and i really enjoy doing it i strangely find it quite a good switch off from the rest of life and i think in, like, interestingly, so growing up, uh, even in the 90s when I was in uh, senior school, I always really liked chat rooms and things like that. So, And then um, I've always been really into photos as well. So, yeah, I come from kind of pre-digital where you'd go and get them printed out. And we used to, you know, go on a night out, take loads of photos and make albums and clip frames and stuff. So kind of interacting and being a little bit creative taking photos all of those things are right up my street um i think i don't you know you i've never felt with social media that i've looked at it and thought 
oh, everybody else's life is better than mine, what have you, because I know that it's, you know, it isn't everybody, it, well, I suppose some people put every single thing out there, but each person chooses how much of themselves they want to expose on social media, um, and it's that's exactly what it is. And, you know, I... I don't expose every single detail of my life, but then I also do like to keep it fairly real in that I will say when there are more difficult times, I might not go into the details, but I will kind of, you know, share that things aren't always amazing. Like you say, there's that balance, isn't there? Like some people perhaps let it take over a bit too much and don't enjoy it and then it becomes like a bit of an unhealthy obsession um that you've got that and like you say keeping things real and not sort of projecting all the lovey-dovey stuff and all the great stuff um and being a bit more real with it is is good as well um one thing i did want to touch on is obviously with that story that you'd posted about your um your freshness with with your garmin watch and how you you know you you're you're ready to to train (laughs) and stuff I've noticed your FTP you've, is quite high. Have you ever fancied racing? Have you <laughs> I ever actually raced? have, and I I hated it. <laughs> um, okay. So I've done two crit races basically, and okay. um, I love being at an event, um, but riding in the group, and I just found it really really scary. And I was so worried about, um, you know, crashing, doing something that would cause someone else to crash. Um, And then when I got dropped, I was actually quite happy I'd been dropped because it meant I just got to ride around on my own. Um, (laughs) So I wouldn't say, I, I don't think I'm quite, like I in some ways I am competitive, but then in other ways I'm really not because I really don't mind if someone else is better than me at something i like to do well but um not at all costs and it was a lot of pressure as well on top of you know um, so i work as a physio i do 30 hours nhs and then i teach three pilates classes a week and you know got my dogs and other interests and i it was just you know you after racing you feel so exhausted um and i i'd done a lot of e-racing during lockdown actually which i did enjoy at the time but i think that was because i didn't have as much else going on um i've done one tt which i definitely enjoyed more because you can go in with however you feel and that's something i'd like to do more of um yeah yeah yeah, because uh, with the TT thing, it's more, although you're competing against everybody else, it's you against the yeah. clock, isn't it? It's a bit more, it's just me, I need to do this and myself. And then you've also, as you say, the stress of the crashing is kind of taken away because you're not in that tight yeah. bunch group um, as well. So it is a little bit sort of easier from that perspective because I've done yeah. crit racing as well and I was exactly the same as you i i found it really stressful yeah. i didn't really enjoy it i always and i always thought as well the first couple of laps i was thinking why doesn't everyone just take it a bit easier <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which isn't the point is it i really? guess that's what they're doing it and why um, not <laughs> so, yeah maybe maybe 
Um, so what's your sort of annual mileage? What are you doing each year? I actually couldn't year? even tell you. I have no idea. I'd have to get oh, back okay. to you on that one. <laughs> and I think oh, it varies. Okay. Surprised. Most people kind of... Are you, do you yeah, use Strava? Yeah, so I could look it up, but <laughs> I don't actually yeah. know. Yeah. And that can vary okay. quite a bit as well, depending on whether... Because I, I do gravel riding and some very lame mountain biking as well so your mileage can vary quite a bit depending on what disciplines you're doing yeah so. yeah so that was one of my next questions actually it was like are you just solely road or so you do gravel mountain biking and yeah so biking? i um now i think it was 18 months ago because i was trying to work it out i got a gravel bike I have to tell you, first okay. of all, when I tried that, I was absolutely terrified um, to the point where I, my adrenaline was just pumping the whole time. Probably didn't help that the first gravel ride I did, we went out on the South Downs um, and I was with my partner who's got a mountain bike background and then um, two other local riders who have raced uh, mount, mountain biking, really strong off-roaders. And, and actually, Kim, who took me out, she was great. She gave me loads of tips, but it was terrifying. Um, but I, I stuck with it because there was something about it that I did really enjoy. And also probably that I'd bought a gravel bike as well. Um, and, yeah, so I yeah. got really into that. And then last, I had tried a little bit of mountain biking, and I did have an old mountain bike but i didn't ride it very much then last summer we were out in uh vancouver where my dad lives and we did some mountain biking in whistler and i really enjoyed that um so and then the bike packing weekend i did with lapierre uh, we were on the the edge uh i think it's the edge 5.9 i can't quite remember um and again, a bit terrified at times, but really enjoyed it. And then since then, I have really started to notice that I am getting more confident off-road. And although you look at a video of me, it's like, you know, I feel like I'm sort of like Tom Pidcock descending, but I just look like a snail going down these little trails. But it feels great. So, <laughs> yeah. So which is your favourite discipline, what would you say was you like this one, I like doing this one the best? Probably road um, it's where I'm most comfortable okay. and I really like that speedy glidey feeling <laughs> um, but there are massive advantages to off-road as well so I wouldn't want to have to be without one. Yeah, that's good good, so we'll just move on to um, some of the questions that we're going to ask all of the guests that come on which are are you a calf stop cyclist yeah <laughs> i wouldn't i don't stop on every single ride i do um probably yeah. to be honest i probably have less rides where i do stop but if i'm with someone else then i really enjoy a nice cafe stop lovely so what what are you having what's your go-to snack i was gonna go for my coffee so um coffee wise i'm gonna be having if possible a cappuccino with oat milk 
I do drink normal milk as well, but when I'm out and about, I like a bit of oat milk. Um, and then snack-wise, that can vary. So, again, because ride nutrition is quite sweet, sometimes I'll fancy something savoury. The other day, I had crumpets with Marmite, and I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, it does change a bit. I'm not a massive cake person, so I'm more likely to have a pastry or a flapjack or something. But... <laughs> Yeah, like you say, that the ride nutrition tends to be yeah. quite sweet, and then it's nice to have that that savoury balance. Yeah. But the crumpets and marmite is quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, it's not something I've tried myself, but uh, oh, you know, yeah, you've got a bit of them a go. salt coming um, in for the marmite, uh, a bit of carb from the crumpet. Yeah. Can't go wrong. <laughs> it's all good, isn't it? It's all good. So, uh, dream bike, money, no object. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I absolutely loved my Lapierre air code, to be honest. Um, I, I never thought I'd have a bike that nice. Um, I don't know if any of you guys have seen Chris Opie's Lapierre. Um, I can't remember mm -hmm. the exact model, but it's a Zellius um, with Durace um, DI2, and it's absolutely stunning. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not someone who's always kind of looking to have the best and the next thing. I'm usually quite happy with what I've got. Or I'm happy with what I've got, but I, I'll slowly upgrade things. Um, so, yeah, not 100% sure on that one. Okay, okay. So if we could now pop you anywhere in the world to go riding, be it road, gravel, whatever where would you like to be where would oh, be the dream place to go that's cycling? a really tricky one as well because mm. i've only actually ridden three places abroad one in vancouver which obviously was a lot better for a mountain bike than it was for road and then back in 2000 i want to say 17 18 i think 2017 we went to um denya except for it then rained in Denya, so we had to drive miles away to go somewhere else. And then more recently, I went to Gran Canaria, which I absolutely loved. Um, I'd really like to do some of the big climbs, like Bontu, um, you know, up to Ez and so on. So maybe I would say that. Um, we're going to the Pyrenees in June. I've not really picked Lovely. one, have I? So... <laughs> <laughs> everywhere, yeah, I mean, everywhere. I'd like just to, go anywhere. I'd like to go to New York and I'd like to go to um, Girona as well. But honestly, I'll yeah. go anywhere. <laughs> Lovely. Great stuff. So I think we've come to the end of our little chat. It's been a lot of fun, Marianne. And after our few technical <laughs> issues at the start, we've got it sorted out. And I'd also just like to point out that Marianne's had her two dogs jumping over <laughs> her at all times and she's remain the true professional at all times I'm used to them <laughs> so all over me. <laughs> they, they feature quite often in my um instagram molly and flo They're, yeah like, i'm turning Lovely. them into biking dogs at the moment actually that's what we're off to do next is yeah. a little bit of cycling yeah. with the dogs lovely brilliant great stuff so once again thank you for coming on i really appreciate your time this evening it's a lovely evening as well so instead of been out on the bikes you've um been stuck in talking to me so it's uh, oh, that's all right that. i managed to get out this afternoon when i'm going out <laughs> with the dogs now so. 
<laughs> Lovely. Great All stuff. Right. Thanks, Thank Rayanne. Thank you. Well, that was absolutely fantastic there talking to Maz. If you don't already follow Maz on Instagram, I strongly suggest that you do. You can follow her at biking underscore Maz. That's biking underscore Maz on Instagram. She's got a fantastic account. And obviously, as you've heard there, um, experienced cyclist. She's a lovely person as well. So, you know, it's a great account to follow. So we really recommend following biking underscore maz on instagram obviously as you heard us chat there about getting more females into the sport and that's one thing we'd really like to see as well that we'd love to see more female riders out there we'd also love to have more female guests on the podcast as well we have got a couple lined up so we will have some more ladies on in the future if you've listened to this podcast and thought i'd love to have a chat with steve you can get in touch with us on Instagram at velo double underscore 21. That's velo double underscore 21. Or reach out to us on email at sales at velo21.com. We'd love to chat to you. Basically, what we want to do is speak to as many recreational cyclists, get everybody's story, their journey on why they do the sport that we all love. Um, it's fantastic to get other insights from other cyclists. So we want to speak to recreational cyclists about their cycling journey. So as I say, if you'd be interested in coming on, please get in touch and we'd love to hear from you. So once again, I'm Steve, the Velo21 guy. I thank you for listening to this Velodrome podcast and we'll see you again soon.